And welcome back to Citywide Blackout, your home for music, movies, and more. I'm your host, Max Bowen. For this episode, I'm joined by author Jeremy Flagg and illustrator Amanda Call to talk about the recently released I Am The First, a comic series with a powerful story that touches on subjects like bullying, grief, and even suicide. But there's another message that out there, there is hope. Remy and Amanda talk about how they came together to work on this project. Amanda dives into the process of creating the visuals, while Remy shares the challenges of being a novelist and writing something where brevity is often the key. We talk about the different messages behind the series and the response they've gotten from readers. Hey everyone, how's it going? And welcome back to the show. So good to have you here because for this episode, we get to talk about one of my favorite things in the world, comics. And I happen to be joined by by one of my favorite people. Author Jeremy Flagg joins me. Of course, you know him best from the Nostradamus series. We talked about that a while ago, but this time he he is back and he's brought a friend. Illustrator Amanda Call. You might know her from such series as Age of Night. They have a new project which was just released a couple months ago called I Am The First. It is a five-issue comic series. Uh, if you haven't got it, get it. I've got the first issue and I'm absolutely loving it. So, Jeremy, Amanda, Welcome to the show. It's good to have you both here. I think this is my third, fourth time. Like Something like that, I, yeah. I feel like I need a badge. <laughs> the top the, fan the badge. The top you, fan. You get the, the official friend of the show patch. Aw, yeah, we should do that. Yeah. Seriously, let's get on that. Let's do this. All right. <laughs> <laughs> fine, fine, I'll do it. Jeez, jeez, jeez. It, it's just going to be a cutout of like a flannel shirt. <laughs> That's it. Just <laughs> exactly. Nailed. Exactly. Exactly. There's your badge. Enjoy. All right. But why don't we get back to the topic? Because that's what the people are here for. It's why they're tuning in to hear you wonderful folks talk all about this series. Again, two issues out, three more to go. And boy, this one kicks off with a very intense scene. So, but we'll get into that in just a little bit. Remy, why, uh, why don't you sort of talk us through like how this story came to be? Because I think we talked about this last time we had you on. Oh, yeah. Last time I was on, I we were just getting the, the wheels turning for this. Hmm. Um, it's been years in the making. <laughs> so originally, um, I, I know Amanda. Uh, we grew up together. We went to the same school together. And we reconnected um, at Savannah College of Art and Design. And she got me working at conventions and Bangor Toy and Comic-Con, which you were just at. Yeah, that just happened. This year's event just happened this past weekend. She convinced me or walked me through how to be a con goer. <laughs> and so I started vending at cons. And of course, because she's the only person I know there, I was like, let's put our tables together. And she would always tell me stories about how every person comes up to her and goes, you draw comics? I have an idea for a comic. You want to work together? Uh... (laughs) So I bided my time. (laughs) I made sure that her children loved me and that I'm best friends (laughs) with her uh, brother-in-law and on day two just sitting at a table across from the creator of the crow yep yeah yeah that was the year james abar was there which was very cool just kind of look at her and was like so 
want to work on a comic together? And she, <laughs> all the joy was stripped from her face in that moment. And she goes, come up with an idea and then you can present it. Which I took as, absolutely, I would love to work on a project with you. I so, want to see an outline and a five-year plan, sir. <laughs> she got her outline. Um, the the original The original pitch for this, however, was something entirely different. Mm-hmm. I wanted to do a comic book tie-in to my superhero novels. And what we kind of just realized that my my universe does not make for a great graphic novel it visually wasn't interesting it the story wasn't really working out and I would have gone running with it if she hadn't shot me down and just said (laughs) no (laughs) I Um, I was a little more gentle than that I was like "Ah, ah, I'm pretty sure the exact phrase was what else you got which is artist for nope next Uh, yeah that's the polite way of saying no (laughs) meanwhile we're sitting in a hot tub having this conversation so I mean how bad can it really be um and so I started pitching this idea for I am the first which at this point was really just this person is going to be the first person with superpowers hence the awesome title Mm -hmm. because that's what came first and then We'll, we'll figure out the rest, right? I mean, how hard can it be? Um, and so she she apparently wanted a little bit more than that. <laughs> well, well, so so you had a little, you did have a little bit more initially. You had get, like a rough outline of what you, like a rough idea of the major characters and like who the major protagonist and antagonist and like their different, the kind of counterpoint between them and everything. And the, you were telling me about this as an idea for like a young adult novel. Like this was originally a novel idea. Yeah. And when you were done telling me about it, I was like, yeah, I like your other comic idea. All right. But I like this a lot more. I think this actually works as a comic. <laughs> and, and the only thing that really was kind of cemented in the, the concept for it was I read this great essay and I wish I could find it today about how someone went through and did a deep dive into superheroes and why, why do these people, um, you know, pick up mantles and become these heroic individuals. And they theorize that this is all based on trauma. And the idea is Batman wouldn't have been Batman ever. He would have just been some annoying D-bag if he hadn't had childhood trauma that pushed him in a direction. Cyclops wouldn't be Cyclops if he wasn't thrown out of a plane and parents did whatever they did. But like every one of these people has these pretty traumatic backstories. And then it just kind of made me think, well, what if that wasn't the creation or what if that wasn't the motivation? What if that was the creation of our heroes? And that's what leads to the opening pages of the first issue. So spoiler alert, I guess. (laughs) Well, for the first two pages. Yeah. First issue. (laughs) And, And those first two pages feature the main character, Alec, who's also like the hero of the story 
from looks of things, he's about to take his own life. How, how much? How much do you want to know? <laughs> let's not give away the ending now. Of course, you know we we don't want to do that. But but but, but let's but, dive into. But yes, kinda, it does look that way. Yeah, it definitely looks that way. So Alex certainly is not like your. Like not like your typical like comic hero. I do like you know the whole air quotes thing because you know those guys always seem to have like kind of everything on like their side. Alec is definitely in the deep end of life's shit pool. He is being bullied in school. <laughs> he is he's got a crappy home life, an abusive stepfather. The trauma is definitely the kicking off point uh, to this character. Mm-hmm. And that was something. So the initial two pages uh, have him laying out in a field and really the only visual marker you have is an empty pill bottle um, laying next to him. And we've, we realized that if we were going to tell this story about Alec, that we needed to have some really big conversations between us. Um, And this brought out conversations of, our experiences in school and we went to the same school. So um, you were five years behind me. Yes. Five or something like that. Five. Yes. No, I just had to stop and do the math for a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so like, I'm pretty certain that not a whole lot changed. We had a lot of the same teachers. I doubt if much has changed now. (laughs) My parents went there. My grandparents went there. Same experience. Some of the same teachers, matter of fact. Yep. So we had to have a lot of conversations about kind of ripping open some old wounds about what we dealt with growing up in a place that I'm not going to like... I'm sure I romanticize growing up there, like in the wilds of Northern Maine, in the valley. The valley, yeah. But it, it was rough. Yeah. Um, if you weren't part of the majority and, you know, everything was going fine for me until I came out of the closet and then apparently had to beat up everyone at school. So that, that caused some problems here and there. Um, and so we really had to look at that. And then there is, you know, verbal abuse, physical abuse, there's mental health conversations, there's, um, suicidal ideology that play into it. And these are all heavy topics and people would say, well, why are you doing this for a young adult comic? I've been a teacher for 15 years and anyone Mm -hmm. who doesn't believe a young adult is dealing with this has their eyes closed yeah i I've, I've always like do all adults like suffer amnesia do they not remember like how awful being a teenager was sometimes do they like i know some people just didn't go through some of this stuff and like okay i can understand them not necessarily realizing but a lot of people go through this kind of stuff and it's especially remarkable when it's like someone that you know it's like i you were there i remember you were there. I remember the terrible things that you went through. Why are why do you think that now that your kids are 14 that they're not going through the same stuff? I just blows my mind. <laughs> blows my mind that like adults seem to forget that this is what being a teenager can be like. 
Yeah, I think it's and, like they had this like this like um uh, mental like highlight reel where they say, "Oh no, high school was awesome. I had friends and did yep. this and did that, and everything else is just like file not found." But it's like, like all the abuse <laughs> and all the bullshit and the Repress. hell that is Repress. being in high school. Exactly. That I got my driver's healthy. license. I went to prom. I played a sport. Nothing else happened in between those moments. It was beautiful. <laughs> Perfect. It was wonderful. You'll have, you'll you'll have a blast, kids. Yeah. Ooh, no. My, my entire high school career summed up in about three minutes. Yeah. Not. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas um, when someone starts waxing nostalgic about high school, and I'm like, I would not go back for all the tea in China. <laughs> no. 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 <laughs> I went back for my uh, my ten year reunion, and let me just say, it confirmed a lot of things. <laughs> I will not be going back for 20. Yeah. Oh, I'm good. Yeah. Hey, oh, wait, never mind. I missed 20 it. already passed for you. <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> 30? I wonder, I wonder if 30 will be better. Honestly, if you gave me a choice between going to my high school reunion and fighting a pack of starving wolves, I'd be like, here, doggies, come on, let's play. <laughs> yeah, like, just let, let me just rub the meat along the skin. Exactly. Like, I'm, I'm willing to go down here. <laughs> whatever uh, we gotta do but anyway anyway um so i want so uh i want to just uh segue a little bit into alex's life alex's experience you know in in high school how much of this kind of reflects on your own experiences i can say from being gay that component that that othering or that alienation I felt it, and in hindsight, I don't know if it was real or if I just felt that way. And that kind of gave credence to the idea of I'm the first. I, I, I wasn't. I wasn't even the first in my friend group, and I still felt completely isolated. So I feel like we, we go through these things on our own, even if we have support. So that was a, uh, that's kind of personal. The the rest of the home life that we see, I I feel like we knew those people. Yeah. I I could go through my yearbook right now and I, I, there's a couple right off the top of my head. I'm like, yep, that was their home life. Yep, mm-hmm. that was their home life. That was their home life. It it was a little more now having distance from it, it was a lot more common than what you would like to believe, mm-hmm. which makes it even sadder. Because the both of you, between the writing and the uh, the illustration, you captured it very, very powerfully, like little things, like especially comparing Alec to his best friend Roxanne's home life. Hers, you know, she got the super supportive father. It's a very clean house. Everything's well put together. And then you got Alec's house. It's like every worst aspect of the human race in one room, basically. <laughs> Yes. Um, <laughs> and and that is, I, I can say, like, so she gave me the format for the script, and I, I had this idea of this, like, the arc in my head. I, I did not think of what the stage looked like at any particular moment. It was kind of, I was the plot monkey. When she sent those to me, I I weirdly felt like she understands my brain. 
Um, I do want to ask actually about like writing a novel versus writing like a comic. Was this like a real, a real uh, challenge for you? Oh God, yes. And I, if Amanda hadn't helped me with this, it would have been a failed endeavor from the beginning. Mm. And and I should say that I I helped you I helped you make a comic with me. The advice that I gave you is not necessarily going to work with like any other comic artist. <laughs> but since I knew we'd be working together, I was like, okay, I know how I like to make a comic as an artist. And I know what I want and need out of a script versus what I don't need or what I don't want and what I don't want you to waste a lot of time trying to worry about. So like I have a pretty strong like visual imagination. If I'm reading something, then I know how I want to break it down. And so I basically, I know how I want to represent it visually. And since uh, Jeremy didn't have that kind of experience writing comics, I was like, okay, don't worry about panel breakdowns. Like, don't tell me what's in this panel or that panel. Tell me if there's something very in particular you want to make sure I focus on. Like, put it in in the script of like, make sure you highlight this. Like, make sure this happens in a panel or this expression is captured or something like that. But other than that, just tell me basically what everybody is doing and what they're saying. And I will figure out how to make that work on a comic page from my end. And that's not like a standard way of writing a comic script. Some teams do it that way. Um, But very often, especially in like any kind of assembly line type comic creation, you'll have the writer will actually say like, this is going to be in this panel and that's going to be in this panel. And there's going to be six panels on this page, five panels on this page and all of that kind of stuff. And I was like, if you're not experienced in creating comics, don't do that. (laughs) Like you're going to write a bunch of nonsense that isn't going to make sense on a page. If you don't have that kind of experience with visual storytelling yet, I'm like, just tell me what you want to have happen like vaguely and, and I'll make it make sense. And, and there were, so she, she hands me kind of a a script format from stuff she's worked on. So I kind of could calibrate and then I looked at it and I was like, oh, okay. So it, it's very script writing for a play. Okay. Yeah. I've done this before. <laughs> not, not well, but I've done it. I froze on the, like, from the very first word on. There was, there is a weird dynamic that I never experienced as a, a novelist where, one, you have the economy of words I can't write 600 word monologues. No, don't don't do that. That's like the first issue of X-Men is like, I'll be very angry. (laughs) Don't do that. (laughs) It's just going to be one giant balloon. Giant word balloon. And then, so that, that kind of gave me a little bit of stage fright. And then on top of it, if you go back and read some of the old, old X-Men comics, it is the most, like, I get it. It was the first time superheroes and mutants existed. But every time Cyclops is like, I'm going to use my optic blast, the ability to fire beams of energy from my <laughs> eyes. Did, did you really just mansplain me? Thanks. Yes. Yes. And every time, let me use my telepathy, the ability to read minds. <laughs> it, and it does it a lot. So... What I quickly realized was the words had to complement the images that I haven't seen yet. And that, like, I'm not sure, like, we work back and forth. 
-hmm. but I almost feel like some artists would send this like if it was a well-known artist they'd send it back and be like too many words you're gonna get in the way of my artwork <laughs> okay smaller font like what's the option <laughs> so so yeah the the first issue the first page of the first issue probably took me a week 200 words <laughs> and then I it, it probably took me another week to do the rest of the five issues like once I kind of knew their voice I started including stage directions sometimes Amanda takes them sometimes she Amanda eyes them <laughs> yeah sometimes I have to make adjustments every once in a while I have to actually leave something out I felt really I was so sad I had to leave out the gag about the locker not shutting in chapter two I was so sad I wanted to put that in so bad I wanted to put that in so bad so a locker, get, like Alex's locker gets damaged in the first chapter. And then in the second chapter, there's a scene where he go, where he's like at his locker and he's supposed to slam it, but the door doesn't actually latch because it's busted. And I really wanted to include that because I thought it was hilarious, but I could not fit it in on the page. And I was like, uh, this is a good gag, but it is not relevant to the scene. So I kind of have to, and I can't fit it in. So I kind of have to drop it. Broke my heart a little. Yeah. Do a well, comic gag reel. Because I thought that go. was so funny. <laughs> just the image of him trying to shut it because he's all mad and it just goes bong. <laughs> and and there's some stuff that I and I, I say this over and over again. I've written it. I know the plot. And now that I've seen the characters, I know what they're going to look like during this. And Amanda will send me scenes. So she always sends me the thumbnails, which, you know, they're adorable little, little sketchy, squares. little tiny little sketchy drawings to just get the idea of what I'm going to actually draw later. And, you know, we, we went to the same art school, so I kind of can interpret her sketch to the final now. And then I'm like, okay, this is, this is good. This is really good. And then she'll send the pages over and I'm like, I'm going to need a moment. <sighs> so many feels. Reaction. Yeah. I, there, there is definitely the scene in the second issue. I just, yeah. I cried. And then I, yeah. then I turned the page and I cried some more. <laughs> I was like, it's not <laughs> over. <laughs> Who wrote this thing? All the feelings. No. Ah. I made a question for you uh, because I mm -hmm. absolutely love the artwork in this thing. This is like amazingly detailed. You do a great job conveying the emotions of the characters. And certainly this is a very emotional story. But um, what would you say was really new for the for this experience? <laughs> oh, good answer. I like that. Uh, <laughs> so on a technical level, my... Big comic project I've been working on for many years is in black and white. <laughs> so I, I had to incorporate color into my process, which makes it take about three times as long. <laughs> that, that's if her person doing the flats does his job when he's supposed to. Just, just saying. Yeah, yeah. So, so color is um. It, so a lot of times in comic uh in comic artwork like in 
larger teams, you'll have a couple of people who their whole job is just coloring it. Um, but the entire creative team is just Jeremy and myself. So uh, I draw everything and ink everything. And then uh, some of the pages Jeremy will flat to get some of the work off my plate and some of them I will flat and then I will go through and render all the colors out and make it make it look nice and pretty. Um, and, and all of the coloring, like I had to really change, not just like my workflow to incorporate having digital coloring and digital lettering in it, which I don't normally do. Um, I had to change my art style to accommodate color because since my primary project is in black and white, it's also like very, a uh, lot of like heavy black and white pen and ink textures and that sort of thing. And lots of heavy shadows um, and that fits really well for that project. But for this project, it's like, well, there's no sense in putting all these pen and ink textures if you're going to be coloring it and you can do texture and depth and color. So I had to totally wrap my head around drawing and inking in a completely different way and then also incorporate the entire color process into the comic making stuff, which at least I kind of sort of knew how to do because I did have to learn it at some point. <laughs> Well, and and the thing that I still love about it is even even though it is in color and it looks so entirely different, there is an Amanda Call style. Yeah, you could put the two next to each other and be like, I'm pretty certain that this is the same artist. Yeah, and and that was a big part of what I tried to preserve too in the choices that I made and how it's colored because a a part of it too is that it's like especially when you're doing something that you're not used to doing in your process, you can very easily have that balloon into this huge time investment where you just like get sucked into spending 20 hours on a page trying to get everything just so and I was like, "No. Uh we need to get it done in a timely fashion." So I need to find a way to make this process look good, but also keep trucking along on, on our timeline here. So that, that was the, the balancing act. And I think I've gotten it. We've gotten a lot faster. It took us a lot less time, even though there's way more pages in chapter two, it took us a lot less time to get through coloring all of them because we both got a lot better at that process as we proceeded through it. There are fewer library books. That's why. There are also fewer library books. I'm never drawing a library again. There's one scene in chapter one that takes place in a library. Uh, and I told Jeremy, if he ever wrote another scene that takes place in a library, they will never find his body. So <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I, I've often heard that like artists usually have like, one thing that is such a, a tricky thing to draw, whether it's a certain shape or a person or what have you, they just like, please don't make me draw it. I'll do anything. Don't make me draw it. And then they got to draw it. Amanda, who was the 90s artist that couldn't draw feet? Oh, oh, um, yes. Words. Oh, no, no, no. My brain. He's the same one who did the, all the bulgy muscles on cable, right? Yeah, yes. yeah. I know here. Yes. I know who you're talking about. Pouchman. Pouchman, that's right. Cable, his power is pouches. Um, so, all right, all right. So I know uh, who it is. I just can't re remember his name. Rob Liefeld. Liefeld, that's right. You, right as you looked it up, it came to me. Yep. Liefeld. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> X-Force, they're all like insanely jagged. They got no feet. No feet. 
there's rocks everywhere they have, like, and they have like like in their in their neck there's like eight thousand little tendons i don't know where all these little it's like their necks are all spider that's not how necks work that's not how necks work not future <laughs> all right um jeremy a question about the characters so um roxanne as i mentioned earlier is is like alex's best friend but what's her role in the overall story it, it was kind of funny when i originally wrote the script, I brought it to a bunch of my students and I asked them to look it over because at this point it's, you know, majority dialogue. And I wrote it in a way that they could understand. And, you know, they're big comic book geeks too. So they went through and I, a manuscript that was so covered in red pen that I had to start from scratch, but for all the better. And one of my students made a comment about, oh, she's going to be the man in the chair. I'm, I'm like 38 at this point, and I have never heard that phrase before. I'm going to go Google that and get back to you. Um, <laughs> and so it did kind of, re- it did make me see that she has the potential to be the man in the chair. This universe's oracle. And she she kind of took on more of a sidekick role because originally she fought against it tooth and nail. Like she refused to be the sidekick. And now she just kind of plays with it because if you're a superhero geek and you're not the one with super superpowers, you're somehow, you're somehow going to get on this train. Um, and because she does genuinely like Alec, she's like, okay, well, we might as well make you a superhero. It's not going to be me. Um, right. So she she kind of also, in a way, gets to fulfill that, like, even though they're friends and contemporaries, she kind of gets to fulfill that mentor role of just being the one who's, like, trying to cheer him on and help him through this situation, too. And she has, so we grew up in a, a town where when I was going to school there, there was not a single person of color at the school. Um, uh-huh. It was an entirely a white school. And, uh-huh. and I say that we had one Korean student in my class who he made it a, a statement of, I'm just like everyone else, I'm white. And that that was the level of people to fit in there and so when we were looking at where we wanted this to take place our actual hometown is way too tiny um what's the population of medford 254 yeah so even (laughs) a little too small for small town stories um so we actually we moved it north and we based it off uh, a city called millinocket which I gave it a, a fake name, but it is essentially just Millinocket. Yeah. And the reason we did it was because when I was growing up, that's where the paper mills were. And that's where our, like our lifeblood was, the source of our income and all of that. And so we kind of pushed it up there. And even up there, it's predominantly white. And when I say predominantly, I mean all white. Um, and we put Roxy in as a person of color because her story. We, and we don't delve into it, but her story has parallels with Alex. 
And it gives her a level of empathy that we didn't think any other character would have. Yeah. It's not Roxy's story because we didn't feel it was our story to tell, but it gave us a way to show what othering is like in the community we grew up in. Mm -hmm. And Roxy was born. We just had a conversation the other day. I thought her mom was dead. And Amanda brought her back to life because yeah. I never, I never mentioned it. So she's surprise, just, she's, she's still a, alive. She's a busy lady. She has a, a demanding job and isn't <laughs> home much. Maybe she's like one of the, maybe she's like a travel nurse, you know, one oh. of those ones who like makes mad, mad money going to other hospitals that need a little bit of extra staff. And so if, she's like never home. If he's <laughs> Police sheriff, she can be the forest ranger. <laughs> She's just off in the woods somewhere. <laughs> there you go. Sorry, I'm gonna go disappear into Baxter State Park for the next four months. See you guys <laughs> later. <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it perfectly works. It definitely does. It definitely does. Was it hard to kind of say, okay, we're done with this thing? As opposed to saying, oh, can we tweak some dialogue or redo a panel or things like that? There, we've only had to alter like two spots since we started. And one of it was just for uh, a, a weird page numbering situation where we needed to expand something. And then the other, I don't, I don't think either of us remember that. <laughs> oh, no, it was in the first, it was in the first issue. The way that you had originally written it, it, it didn't. When I drew what you had written, it looked weird. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> and I was, and you were like, "That looks weird," and I'm like, "Oh, what do you want to do instead?" <laughs> and so we just like changed. Well, it's one of those things too. Especially, it was the very first chapter. It was like you were still getting used to writing in comics. I was still getting used to adapting what you wrote visually. Like we were still kind of getting ourselves on the same page at that point and I think that was actually pretty good for that to come up right in the beginning for us to both just be like oh yeah something's not working let's fix it I did so when you sent me the thumbnails for the third issue of course I was like now let me go read the fourth issue and the fifth issue and see if I can visualize it which I can't <laughs> two art degrees and I still can't visualize and I did find my there was a handful of spots where I was like, I want to change the script now. And I know it's far enough in, but it, it, it was a little difficult to be like, no, it, it's good enough. And now it's just tinkering for the sake of tinkering. Yeah. Um, if it was a stellar altering moment, then great. But there's, yeah, good enough has to be good enough. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to just, you got to just say, all right, we're done at a certain point. And that's, I think the fact that we also both work professionally as freelance artists helps a lot with that too, because we have, we have really had to develop that muscle of like, well, it's due. So it's done now. <laughs> well, and like, and it wasn't created in a vacuum. Like other people did read it, got mm -hmm. feedback. Even before I sent it to Amanda, my students looked over it and mutilated my dialogue because apparently teenagers don't speak this way. <laughs> and so 
like other people have had input along the way. So it's not like it, it's probably on its fourth or fifth iteration before mm-hmm. it went to pencils. Um, and now I, I think like other than tweaking the, like the, the scene with key in the car yeah, or the, the truck. Oh, the, and that was just a perspective thing. Yeah. Um, there's like super minor things that get tweaked and most of it's just for elaboration maybe yeah just clarity trying to make sure that we are getting our point across as as clearly as we possibly can because again in a novel let me write 400 more pages to explain my point (laughs) so that you know what I'm trying to say I will bury you in words until you get it (laughs) yeah that's why my novels are 100,000 words long it's really only one plot point just told over and over again yeah uh remy i'm curious obviously you had to really adapt your writing style for comic scripts you know do you think this is going to change like future books do you think you might like write like a little bit differently you know i write superhero smut now right (laughs) (laughs) i I was unaware of this fact but now but there we go i uh i Right, dystopian sci-fi superheroes for those people who love their, you know, '90s X-Men, and I also write down and dirty supers after dark. So no, no, I will not be going into the young adult arena anytime soon because I am vulgar. <laughs> Fair enough, man. Fair enough. <laughs> there are um, definitely some moments where I feel that, given my druthers, Roxy would have just given the finger and said, screw y'all, I'm out of here. <laughs> but apparently, um, that's frowned upon. Yeah, you know, you know, you gotta, you gotta kind of change style sometimes. Um, this uh, comic is not just a superhero story. It touches on some very serious, very, very serious issues, including mental health, bullying, and suicide. A two-part question is, like, why were these elements in the story and how are they kind of like written into it in a way that isn't like you know bashing you over the head with it okay i'm gonna i'm gonna spoil the first issue oh that's okay go for it it's been out for like a a couple yeah it's been out yeah spoiler alert for those who don't it's on literally on the first two pages yeah um so we left this extremely open-ended and the construction of the first issue was extremely deliberate and this was partially with the help of students and talking to Amanda we removed Alec's agency from the first issue Alec doesn't speak until the last page everyone speaks to him but no one involves him in the conversation Roxy attempts but you know for story reasons it doesn't quite work out but he is, he feels like he's being cut off from the rest of the world. And even when he's been thrown a lifeline, he's saying no. And that sense of isolation was really what we were trying to put in there. Because that, I think, is kind of a universal truth for teenagers. For, no matter what your 
your deal is, no matter how great things are, we all have those moments. But on the first page, it opens with an open pill bottle on the ground and we don't get into it. We don't really discuss it at this time. It comes up um, later on, but we wanted to open the conversation of, was Alec about to try and kill himself? And the, the reality of it is he already did. He made an attempt and he's waking up from a failed attempt. So that we, we left that so front and center in this comic because we wanted people to know that we were coming to tell a story that we would not beat around the bush. Yeah. Like there's, there's no kid gloves in this story. Um, and, and I think I had prepared myself for that with Alec. It wasn't until the second issue where you, you were coloring his mom Mm. that it, oh, it gets worse. It does get worse. And so there's still moments of how, how, how far can you go before you snap? Well, one issue ago is how far. Yeah. So that was kind of a, a big moment. And then, you know, he still has to confront this. I mean, a suicide attempt is bad enough on its own. A failed suicide attempt is even that much worse. Because if you're feeling like a failure, you just failed at that. So, and we didn't dwell on it. We made it fast, but we didn't hide it. Which also I think is like, uh, I I personally am just, like can can relate from my experience of high school as far as like something terrible just happened to me and this is like really world ending from my perspective but i have to go to school now <laughs> but i still just have to go to school and sit through class and pretend like everything is normal and deal with people giving me a hard time even though uh, i'm going through a world of stuff that people do not understand and are not making any attempt to understand but yeah but here i am doing the teenage things everybody's expecting me to do whether or not i care to and and that's like that was something that i really really connected with in the way that this first issue especially is set up where it's just like hey you just left from this uh, unbelievably horrible traumatic situation and you you get up and go to school (laughs) and and that is kind of the reality and for (laughs) And for kids who are in these bullying situations, I was a teacher for 15 years. They, some of them go to school because it's the least violent spot in their life. For Alec, it's just a continuation of a bad thing. Yeah. So, but one of our goals with this was not to turn it into trauma porn and really aggrandize it even at the end of the first issue there's a moment of things are about to be different yeah Mm -hmm. so without giving away too many too many spoilers uh alec developing powers how does this change things is it like okay everything's great now and and life is awesome or is this more another kind of obstacle to be inserted into his already difficult life 
it, it, it has its ups and downs. <laughs> so when people ask me what the comic is about, I'm like, well, it's about a, a kid who's like going through all of the all of his terrible teenage life stuff of like he has an abusive home life and he's gay and he's being bullied at school. And also, oh, crap, I have superpowers. <laughs> and and there is a certain like. For people who love comic books, there's always this, man, if I was one of them, things would just be so much better. Well, bigger power, bigger problem. Yeah. <laughs> like, <Right. laughs> um, and, and we do give, there is a break. There is a, a reprieve from everything where he's processing with Roxy what what does this mean like what what does the future have and we wanted to make sure that even though there's these tough stories that are being told that there it always ends with an element of hope and the end of issue three is the one that (laughs) i know we're not supposed to have favorites but end of issue three is gonna be my hands down favorite um the end of issue two gave me a slight bit of fine wine but I, I knew what was coming, so it was short-lived. So yeah, and then the actual end of the story, the the end of this particular arc, ends on a, I mean, fairly horrible situation, but the situation leaves all the characters with a, in a not a fresh start, but an unhindered start. Yeah, things are obviously moving, obviously have the opportunity to move in a better direction than where they were. And that that was kind of hard in the story because we didn't want to uh, trivialize this and be like, I, I like the campaign, but the, the constant, it gets better. <laughs> uh, you, you know, that's not always true, right? Like, <laughs> that's some wishful thinking. And for many people it does, but I'm not sure that telling a teenager it gets better while they're in the middle of it was the right message to send. Yeah, that's not super helpful when you're like it in the middle of it. Cause it's like, okay, like when though? Cause now would be good. Yeah. <laughs> Counting down. <laughs> um, so yeah, we definitely try to balance out the those elements with, you know, this hopeful outlook yeah and you see it over and over it it, i feel like we always it's the the storm before the calm yeah right but there is calm in places sometimes once this blows over (laughs) don't worry it'll be the next thing after that but gotta (laughs) blow over at some point too it's okay any minute now any minute at, now. Any minute. Right. Uh, what has been the response, though, given the story? I mean, this is very, very well done, very, very powerfully told. But what have you heard from from folks? And this is, question goes to both of you. <laughs> Jeremy speaking uh, a blank stare face. Right. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to. I don't want to just be like, "Well, they said it was wonderful." The the one that I did get was. Um, someone sent me a message and was like, 
was him not speaking deliberate? And I said, yes. And they're like, that's how I felt in school. I had a secret. No one, I didn't want to tell anyone because it was none of their business. But by not telling them, all communication was shut off. Mm -hmm. And they're like, that that was a subtle nod to an experience they had. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, I don't want to say I felt good about it, but at least the, at least they saw what we were doing there. Yeah. Um, the art style has gotten a lot of compliments. Oh, yay. <laughs> yeah. And that was a, before even the first, uh, before even the, the first chapter was released when we were still doing the Kickstarter campaign, and I got a compliment of, oh, it looks good. It doesn't look like a, a comic Kickstarter. <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of a mean thing to say. But what they meant was it didn't didn't look amateurish. It didn't look like something where, where somebody had no experience and was like, somebody please throw some money at me so I can finally start doing comics. It was like, no, this is a, this is actually like a professional project that money would be nice (laughs) the um yeah before we even launched the kickstarter we had a a team of highly trained specialists aka whoever on the internet would listen um actually looked over all our materials before Mm. we posted it Mm -hmm. and that was nerve-wracking because i don't know about your friends my friends are assholes (laughs) (laughs) I love them, but they'll tell, they'll read you the riot act. Mean. So (laughs) they, they went into some of it like super deep and like super critical about really weird things, but never once about the story. Mm -hmm. Um, And their lack of comments actually make me feel very good. Right. Yeah. Cause uh, yeah, I, I think that if people, like because yeah we've gotten compliments of like people feeling like the first issue is really powerful and they're interested to see where it's going um and that sort of thing which is really encouraging and I think that if people don't like something uh they let you know (laughs) (laughs) I don't think anyone on the internet is shy about voicing their displeasure (laughs) we should go find out if there's a uh, reddit thread with our names on it yet probably um but yeah, the the Kickstarter funded in what was it six hours? Uh, no, it took a little longer than that to reach fully funded. I think, Did but it? it was yeah, we were. It was under twenty four. Yeah, it was under twenty four. Um, and then it kept going. Yeah. And going. <laughs> yeah. And at at one point we were like, maybe we should stop promoting it because it's it's getting out of control. <laughs> We can't keep uh, making stretch goals. What are we gonna do? Yeah, I can't draw any more than we've already committed to. Yeah, we were. We secretly hoped that it was, it was a fairly. I mean, it's it was a fairly modest campaign, but we were we were just like, please fund, and and so like when it did more than just funding, we were already just over the moon. It's not like this wasn't like a a, a massive like huge out of control kickstarter it was just our we just really wanted to see to get enough that we could make this happen and so anything past that we were just like oh my gosh and then brandon sanderson had to come in and show us up 
Yeah, that guy. We were just a little shy of 32 million. <laughs> just a smidge. Uh, just just a, just under by a, yeah. several factors. Um. <laughs> if, if you move Sanderson. to zero over yeah. Move that decimal plate of place a few times and yeah, just under. <laughs> Round up, way, way up. Um, but and that was the other thing, like we we kind of created like this little bit of a hype team that helped us out with all of this stuff. Like they they went in on like our story, our like our relationship, our you know, how we were presenting things. And they weren't doing it to be critical. Like these people believed in what we were doing and they wanted to make sure it got the best pitch out there. And it wound up being that some of them were so invested at that point that when the Kickstarter went live, they jumped on it Mm. way faster than we expected. Um, The funded in under 24 hours was, uh, I, I always go back and think, did we set it too low? Like, <laughs> if we had doubled it, would we have actually made it? Uh, I've having been on failed Kickstarters, I don't like to mess with that. I'm just like, <laughs> no, no, no. That's like the most depressing thing in the world when your Kickstarter fails. But I've been on like game design teams where our, our Kickstarter failed, and it was just like, okay, I guess we gotta pull the plug now. Womp womp. And oh. yeah, we might. We might do it again. Who knows? Hey, you certainly should. You certainly should. Because I guess I, I, am, I am absolutely loving the story. Like, this is a really... I, I think this Yay. is one of those comics that, like, everyone should read because I think there's a little something different for everyone. Like, you're not going to get everyone saying, oh, yes, this. It's going to be, oh, this and this. They'll sort of touch on different things about it. Well, Remy, Amanda, very cool having you both here on the show. Again, loving I Am The First. First issue dropped on February 16th. Second issue just released on April 21st. And next issue is coming out when? Good question. <laughs> when did you set the pre-order for? You set up the n- number thing. Oh, I, I didn't actually set it just in what? case you were to make it. I what? know. Oh my gosh, no faith. <laughs> I, I was a little concerned. I didn't realize that. Issue two was so much longer. I would explain it. It was way longer than issue one. Um, It's way longer than issue three is going to be. Issue two was long. We are kind of um, on like a three-month cycle. And if we can push it sooner than that, the goal is sooner than that. But we originally set three months between each just to make sure we didn't fry ourselves in the process. That would be July sometime? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's a specific date. July. We'll just say July. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. All right. All right. So before we go, uh, where do folks go to learn more about you and check out your work? Amanda, you're first. Hey, so you can follow me as a creator. Uh, I have my webcomic, Age of Night, at ageofnight.com. That's A G E O F N I G H T. You can also follow me on Twitter, same handle, Age of Night. Um, I'm also on Instagram at Amanda Call Art. You can find me. Oh God, where can't you find me? Uh, easiest place is probably to go to childrenofnotradamus.com. It's where all my superhero stuff is. Or you can learn more about the comic book at bravenewcomics.com. Brave new comics. <laughs> all right. 
All right, so folks, you heard it here first. I am the first. Check it out. Two amazing creators here and much more definitely to come. Amanda, Remy, thank you both. Thank you. Thank you for having us. That brings this episode to a close. Big thanks to Jeremy and Amanda for joining me, and I highly recommend checking out I Am The First. The first two issues are out, with number three being released later this summer. You can follow the show on Facebook under Citywide Blackout and Twitter and Instagram under Citywide Max. Get at me at citywidemax at yahoo.com and follow the show wherever you check out podcasts, as well as every Saturday at 10 p.m. on Boston Free Radio. As always, keep those ears open.